Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I'm going to go ahead and make a safe assumption. The statement that I'm getting ready to make, uh, I want you to be uh, humble enough to admit that there's some truth in it. No pressure, but pressure. Okay, you ready? I believe that one of the ultimate holdups for greatness is not that you're necessarily fighting external situations or the devil or whatever you wanted to coin it as. I believe one of the biggest hurdles is the fact that God has to fight you to get there. Mm -hmm. I feel like there is literally, if I can paint a visual for you, the race is one thing, but the fact that God had to drag you out on the tracks to even run the race that he customized you for is the greatest portion of the of the fight. Uh, I tell you where all this is coming from. I had a conversation today right before speaking with you, right? And I have a friend who is, and we, we don't gossip about other grandbabies. We're just using this grandbaby for, right, for example purposes. Correct. She followed God. She's in a season where she's walking on water. God said to come out, even though it looks scary, she stepped out the boat and she's doing some things. And she tried to put certain things in place and try to go ahead and, and, and cushion her particular walk. And the cushion that she tried to set up isn't working. And so she put in her resignation for a job. She had two jobs. She put it in for both, both her full-time and her part-time. She went ahead and started packing up the house and did. She did everything that she felt in her heart that God led her to do. And so today she texted me and she said, you know, in paraphrasing, that she was feeling a little challenged today and that she was feeling a little down and that, you know, she's trying to stay in good spirits and what have you, and this, that, and the third. So I did what an elite grandbaby would do. I sent her a whole bunch of different things to go ahead and encourage her, to let her know the season that she's in, to let her know that waiting just doesn't mean staying in an idle place. It means getting your instruction and doing what needs to be done. But you have to know God and where he placed you enough to know what instructions are needed for your current situation. Because with Noah, he told, God told Noah all the instructions in the beginning. And guess what? He didn't talk to Buddy <laughs> at all during the process uh, after after it uh the only thing that we know is that once the animals came on and the the ark was done that God closed the door but after God told him how many cubits how many where the window should be how many levels if it should be golf or wood God didn't say anything else so I'm very keen to the fact that when God gives instruction he doesn't give it each time to the same to a person the same way because when he was talking to Moses when he was leading the Israelites out of Egypt and they got real scared in Exodus 14. And, you know, they seen Pharaoh and all the chariots and all that stuff coming against them. They were getting scared. And God was like, why are y'all crying to me? <laughs> move. Tell the Israelites to move. And then Moses, go ahead and stretch out your hand and do A, B, and C. And so when you look at how much God was speaking to Moses on each level, telling him to hit the rock, telling him to speak to the rock, telling him to, you know what, come up here on the mountain. But tell them people down there, do not come out here. Or they're going to go ahead and die. If they touch this mountain even, I want you to go ahead. God was talking to Moses consistently. But he talked to Noah one <laughs> instructional paragraph worth and then had nothing else to say. And so what I realized and what I relayed to my friend was you either A, because uh, she said, I'm praying and he's not answering. I said, so then you are getting your Noah instructions. 
He told you to do something. And the reason why he's not speaking or confirming or coming back to say anything that's going to pacify you is because you have not completed what he told you to do last. So if you want him to speak again, complete what, you, what he told you to do in the first place. And so we got past that. And so I was like, okay. So later on, I called her. And I was like, so how you doing? And she was like, oh, I'm just not used to this. And so immediately, God snatched the phone out of my hand, <laughs> put it back to my ear, and spoke through me to say the following words. You are not used to being in control, but can I ask you something? Where has your level of leadership and control got you? Like, if you were doing such a great job, right, doing all the stewardship things and handling and managing everything that God gave you, he wouldn't have had to intercede. At this particular moment in her life, God has changed her phone number. He's changing the location that she's going to be at. He's changing her job. I said, it's one thing to be able to look at something with a God's eye view and him see, I'm going to completely have to redo this, this earth. Like, I'm going to just go ahead and just trash it, flood it, do something different. But I can salvage. Noah and his family when God has to look over your life and see none of the things that you have produced on your own is something that I can take in this next season because God knows what is in you and he also knows where he's taking you and if that particular outfit doesn't fit for where he's taking you then you will be ill-prepared for your calling for your purpose for your wiring and so I told her, I said, I just want to go ahead and put it not even in biblical terms. I want to just make it real uh, blatantly logical. For two years, you have done something the same way and you have nothing stored and there's nothing fruitful that came out of it. For two years, you had two jobs. You have no children. You ha And this wasn't a shade. This was just a looking at all the things that you've done for two years, right? Like We're not even going to say life because that's harsh. Look at the last two years of how you managed something, how you were able to go ahead and put things away. Whatever. Why is it that God was able to look at your life and say, I can't use any of that. I need to literally make new wine skin so I can make new wine. There's something about that that should make you say, as much as I enjoy being over something, being in control, if you will, I have to admit that the way that I control does not yield fruit. Because the purpose is never to feel in control. The purpose is to be humble enough to admit that you are a good steward over what he gave you. There is one thing to say, I like being a boss. There's another thing to say, but your business is not growing. There's one thing to say, you know, I feel like I want to do this on a bigger level. But then when you look at yourself on a smaller level, you suck there. There's one thing to say you want to be in leadership. But then when you were as a subordinate, you were terrible. So, no, it, it literally is. Life is not this... Uh, you know, if you're over here doing one thing, then once you get over there, you're going to have a whole brand new set of skills and be a new person. Everything builds upon each other. So how you were as a subordinate very much is going to be some of the things you take on when you get in leadership. How you were as a single, you're very much going to take that into your relationships. How you were as a girlfriend, you're very much going to take some of that with you being a wife. How you were as a child, you're very much going to seep some of that in when you have your children. So there's going to be certain things that if you are not careful to admit 
Yet in that stage and space, that didn't work. So where I'm going, I'm going to have to change that. I don't know what it was about this conversation, but it was triggering. And I said to her, we need to change this ideal that we get so wrapped up in what's normal to us that we can't see is not fruitful any longer. That we can't see that what we called being productive wasn't productive at all. That what we thought was actual fruit was actually rotted. Like I really want us to get to a place that we start understanding that normal doesn't mean fruitful. And I even was unveiled and was transparent in in my own situation. I told her, I said, when I first met my husband, I had a hard time understanding why this man did not elevate his voice and scream and show passion when he, like, none of that. I don't get it because, you know, I'm from New York. Yeah, like when we talk, you understand? Like we get super excited. And then I would talk to my, my southern baby and it was just like, I... Do you even care about what we're discussing? He was like, I very much care about what we're discussing. I'm like, yeah, but I can't. I need you to, like, clap your hands, stomp your feet, like, do something that makes me see that, you know. And he kept saying, I'm sorry I'm not as animated as you like, but, like, this is the way that I communicate. And what I learned later after me repeatedly saying, I'm just not used to this, right, was that he was raised in a household that elevated octaves meant somebody was finna get hit between the adults. You see what I'm saying without saying what I need is? Okay, you get that? Okay, so if there was screaming, there was also some domestic situations that was occurring. So a vow that he made to himself prior to ever meeting me was, I will never have to raise my voice any octaves to express myself ever. I need to be able to speak in a normal tone because in his mind, mind which is also true that if the tone was maintained then there would be no domestic issues because that's what he was trying to avoid and then what I had to admit to myself and admitting this on the phone today with my friend I said and what I didn't realize is yeah that's not what I'm used to but sweetheart every man that you ever met that was animated when he talked and I feel like you disrespecting me he had a temper mama you didn't realize that? You didn't realize that the more animated he got, the more unsafe you felt, the more you were like, okay, but can I say something like, who are you talking to? And so now the the topic of the situation, whatever it is, got completely lost because you trying to figure out, do I need to fight you or do I need to run? Like how we need to do this because we were just talking about a tech message at first, but now it very much feels like you got a little bit of Ike <laughs> in front of a Turner. Like that's your new name? Like what's happening here? You understand? And so it took me years later to realize what you were used to wasn't fruitful. And I told her, I said, I'm so glad that God didn't let me fester in what was familiar. Because again, why, why is it this way? I don't know, but I literally feel like he fights us. He fights us, but we fight him for our normal. Why? You passing up the good buddy because you want the bad boy that everybody wants, that low-key everybody's looking at, but you don't want him for everybody, but he for everybody. <laughs> you want the chick who she got the bad body, possibly a BBL, possibly all the other things, but at the same time, how you met her in the club, you don't want her to be there no more. Like, sir, is it, okay, 
Okay, you want the job that has all the money and on all the things, but you don't realize it's all the responsibilities. And so you're trying to figure out a way that you can not be stressed out, but still be paid. And it's like maybe just maybe if you changed your normal, you wouldn't have to be in that fight no more. Maybe it wouldn't feel like a corporate climb if you changed the way that you saw success. Maybe you wouldn't have to feel like the dating scene is trash. If you chose different, maybe the dimples swap that out for morals, swap that out for does he cover you uh, or does he know the new slang? Like, can we start swapping some stuff out that you're looking at it like, yo, she's she's super dope. She posts the ultimate selfies, but is she nurturing? Because one day she could possibly have your child. Like, what are the things that you would look at her and, and get a new, develop a new level of attraction for her? Because, yo, it was one thing for her to be your girlfriend. It was another thing for her to be your fiance. It was another thing for her to be your wife. But, bro, the way that she parents and mothers your children, the affection and all the things that mean something to you, the way that she implements that to your baby, babies yeah it's a different kind of um that's a different kind of attraction but you got to swap that out because you still looking at females in a way that looks like cute high school girlfriend like I need you to start getting some grown women aspects to you when you looking at somebody and you like true heard you but what's your relationship like with your father not trying to judge nobody just want to know what you getting ready to step into sir <laughs> Real talk. So you and your mother, y'all cool? Or like she, she's living? Like what's going on with that? Start asking some questions that shifts your normal so that when you get somewhere, it's not, well, this is how it's always been. Everybody in your family is broke. And so you're just going to cut and paste that. But this time you're going to wear and, and be flashy with your money, you know, even though it's a couple of negatives or, you know, real single digits in the bank. But you know what? That's a whatever thousand dollar car, though. But when you pull up to that house, though, <laughs> but they can't say nothing about them new Yeezys, though. Yeah, your parents may have been broke because they didn't have the privilege to either get the education to go ahead and and be competitive in the corporate world maybe they didn't have that advantage how dare you take that advantage and you fumble the bag literally generationally you understand that and to hear that on a current time you know modern day time you know it, it sounds different it sounds funny but I went back to the bible and I was like bro this is not even anything new like Ecclesiastes was super duper like <laughs> on point when he said yo it's nothing new under the sun it's the realest talk ever sir literally i i want to read about lot and i want us to read about his sodom and gomorrah journey and it truly does something to me when i read it in a way that looks like yo i don't i don't even understand how that was okay but you know what shouts out to him being a grandbaby so let's just jump into it genesis 19 i'm gonna start at verse one you know i read in the nlt version right okay so let's buckle up that evening the two angels came to the entrance of the city of sodom lot was sitting there and when he saw them he stood up to meet them then he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground two my lords he said, come to my house to wash your feet and be my guest for the night. You may then get up early in the morning and be on your way again. Oh, no, they replied. We'll just spend the night out here in the city square. Three, but Lot insisted. 
So at last they went home with him. Lot prepared a feast for them, complete with fresh bread made without yeast, and they ate four. But before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. Five, they shouted to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. Six, so Lot stepped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. Seven, please, my brothers, he begged. Don't do such a wicked thing. Eight, look, I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you and you can do with them as you wish. But please leave these men alone for they are my guests and are under my protection. Nine, stand back, they shouted. This fellow came to our town as an outsider and now he's acting like our judge? We'll treat you far worse than those other men. And they lunged toward Lot to break the door. Ten. But the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house, and bolted the door. Eleven. Then they blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house. So they gave up trying to get inside. Twelve. Meanwhile, the angels answered, I'm sorry, the angels questioned Lot. Do you have any other relatives here in the city? They asked. Get them out of this place, your sons-in-laws, sons, daughters, or anyone else. 13. For we are about to destroy this city completely. The outcry against this place is so great, it has reached the Lord, and it has sent us to destroy it. 14. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés, Quick! Get out of the city. The Lord is about to destroy it. But the young men thought he was only joking. 15. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. 16. When Lot hesitated, the angels seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed out rushed them to safety outside the city for the Lord was merciful 17 when they were safely out the city one of the angels ordered run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley escape to the mountains or you will be swept away 18 oh no my lord lot begged <laughs> 19 you have been so gracious to me and saved my life and you have shown such great kindness, but I cannot go to the mountains. Disaster would catch me up there, and I would soon die. 20. See, there is a small village nearby. Please let me go there instead. Don't you see how small it is? Then my life will be saved. 21. All right, the angel said. I will grant your request. I will not destroy the little village. 22. But hurry. Escape to it, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. This explains why that village was known as Zor, which means little place. <sighs> can I say something to you? When you hesitate, when God tells you to do something, <laughs> uh, you start to lose more things. Because initially, the angels told him, uh, do you have any relatives, any family, any? And so when he initially went out to tell 
his daughter's fiance's, hey, we need to go. And they thought that it was a joke. Um, it, it actually turned into him actually being in disbelief. And so what happened was um, it went from, and I'm going back to it because it, it blows my mind, 14. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés, quick, get out of the city for the Lord's about to destroy it. And then literally it says after that, but the young men thought that he was only joking. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Time out. They told you the night before, <laughs> they literally told you to your face, uh, go ahead and get anybody that it says, do you have any other relatives here in the city? Get them out of this place, your sons-in-laws, sons, daughters, or anyone else. And because he waited a whole 24 hours probably after, before literally the fact that it says at dawn the next morning, it's like, okay, so now you don't get that. So now instead of it being sons-in-laws and all that other stuff, they had to go ahead and let him know, take your wife and your two daughters. If you would have left when he, they told you to leave, you would have had a legacy to leave behind. Because if you read the story more down the line, because his daughters didn't have anyone to, to produce lineage with, they had to go ahead and trick their father and sleep with him. It didn't start that way, though. The fact that the angels had to fight him, they had to fight him to go ahead and even get out. But the thing that started... That that's getting to me wasn't that it, it was the fight. It was that the fight was consistent. They lit, literally had. Why was it normal lot to have a conversation with someone, a group of men in Sodom that decided they wanted to go have sex with, with who you've known to be angels? And instead of that being weird to you. You went ahead and said, well, why don't you just try my daughters? I have two of them. You could do what you want with them. Believe the guests. How long were you in Sodom? How long were you in that environment that even having that conversation became normal to you? Something is off to the point that the angels had to reach out, pull him into the house and bolt the door. And then to get them to stop trying to break it down, they had, he had to make them blind. That wasn't enough for you to be like, yeah, you know what? I think um, SpongeBob meme, uh, I'm going to go ahead and head out. That was so normal to you that even with them saying, hey, go get your other relatives, your sons-in-laws, all the other stuff, that for you to go out and tell them we need to go, for them to think that ah, you're joking, what happened from the time that you saw that the angels blinded them and that told you go get your relatives that you then became, eh, yeah, maybe you're right, that you became so normal or it became normalized for you to have conversations that people doubted the very angel, the very God message that you heard yourself. How long will you be in an environment that you will allow knowing what you heard firsthand to let somebody else hear it and make you be in disbelief behind that? That doesn't make any sense to me. How, how did you relay that message that your sons-in-law were able to think that you were joking, but more importantly, how did they respond that they were able to make you forget that that word came from God? That's the part that's like, that, that's the normal that you decided to hold captive to? But then what the Holy Spirit showed me even further is that he told Lot to run for his life. 
to to go ahead and run and because he don't want him to be you know, to be swept away and God loved him so much that he let him know I can't do anything the angels let him know I cannot do anything without you being safe right and even with that kind of power, I would have felt instantly love. I would have felt like, God, you love me so much that even in the midst of you getting ready to destroy everything around me, you want to make sure that I'm safe. You want to make sure that I'm good. But you even ordered angels to make sure that I am safe. I am good. I am prosperous. I'm all the things. And they can't even start to destroy what's no longer valuable in my life without me being safe first. Like something about that would have made me feel so just comforted, so just loved, so just emotional immersed in like God your word is true you loved us like we we would never be able to understand the way that you sacrifice for us the way that you order angels around us we would never be able to really get that and when the angels would have said that to me I think honestly that would have done something to my whole being and having that kind of information what did Lot decide to do he decided to fight against that oh no my lord I can't run that far. And where did he choose to run? To a little place. The Bible literally says, this explains why that village was known as Zor, which means little place. And as a matter of fact, right before that, in 21, it says that the angel said, matter of fact, 20, Lot says, see, there is a small village nearby. Please let me go there instead. Don't you see how small it is? Then my life will be saved. 21. All right. The angel said, I will grant your request. I will not destroy the little village. But hurry, escape to it, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. This explains why the village was known as Zor, which means little place. You mean to tell me that you were in Sodom so long that you can't even think, you can't even think with greatness no more. That literally the angels are saying, run, go wherever you need to go, go past the mountains, go. And you're like, no, because I was small minded, I only have enough faith and strength to run somewhere where it's smaller. You mean to tell me that you literally said twice, it's a small village. See how small it is? And the fact that the angels were able to reiterate yeah it's a little village but out of all the villages out of all the covering and grace that God put over you out of all the things and places and things you can do places you can go you choose the little village see that is the compromise of being where God doesn't want you to be it corrodes your calling you literally spent so much time in Sodom and Gomorrah that when it's time to go ahead and do something new, you're still thinking small. You're still behaving small. You're still making small-minded actions. You're still having small-minded conversations. Everything about you is still just minute. And it's like, even though you're no longer in Sodom and Gomorrah, you still very much carried it with you. Why? You were such in a rush to leave that job. Oh, I got to get out of here because the people here, blah, blah, blah. But guess what? You took that small-mindedness with you. You were so ready to leave that relationship, but you took that same small mindedness near you. I want to go ahead and say to you, um, challenge early. I want you to identify your Sodom and Gomorrah that's within. And I want you to realize that um, it's time to fight your normal. 
Yeah, we're not going to make the excuses anymore that that's all I've seen growing up or this is all I know or nobody trained me or nobody taught me that or nobody. We're not going to put the blame on anyone else or our surroundings or e none of the above anymore. We are now going to identify, God, I am sorry and I rebuke myself. I'm starting to realize that you want to take me great places, but it's, it's not that you can't take me there. It's that you got to fight me too much to get there. And even when I do have the opportunity to run and make the earth my playing field because of the calling that you put on my life I still choose small places I still use a small mindset and I still use small faith to get there God I want you to go ahead and grow me in the name of Jesus with the Holy Spirit I want you to grow me I don't care what it takes I don't care who I leave behind but whatever is in me that is small I don't I don't want to mustard seed faith I'm glad that that's all that you expect but I want to go ahead and do something bigger God I want you to grow me I want to do something large I don't want to be inside of Megamore anymore do you see what I'm saying it's time to fight your normal baby <laughs> it's time to fight that it's time to fight that I need you to start doing something different not just because you want something different but because if you don't get that out of you you're going to pass that down if you don't get that out of you you're going to start attracting that all over again it will be a shame to leave Sodom and Gomorrah and attract a little bit of Sodom somewhere else to be paired with a little bit of Sodom somewhere else, to work under Sodom somewhere else. It would be a shame because you still have that in you, so you attract to your level of healed, which necessarily means that you're attracting to your level of brokenness. And so if you don't unnormalize your normal, then you will continue to attract the same person, different name of social security number, the same person, just a different colleague, supervisor role. That's the person that you dealt with last time. You know what? You you remember her from your last job. Now she's just in a different position at this job. You're going to constantly attract that particular friend how come I keep meeting people that do a it's because that whatever is in you you have not healed yet and until you heal it you will always attract a little bit more Sodom do you understand that I want you to fight your normal. I want you to win. I want you to win like you've never won before. I want you to literally get up on the stage of your life and say, I'm done. I'm done with what looks familiar. I'm done. And you know what the saddest part of it all is? That lot should have never been used to that because he wasn't raised like that. Lot is Abraham's nephew. He was in Abraham's house. And you know what the real messed up thing is? Is that he didn't even have to be in that environment because when God told Abraham, I want you to take your, don't take nothing else with you. Leave everything in your father's house. Take your wife and leave. He took his wife, but he also took Lot, his nephew. And maybe he did it because he felt like, yo, I've been a father figure to him because we don't really know too much about Lot's father. But what we do know is that Abraham took him along the journey and then him and Lot started having some clashing. And so the next time that we really read upon Lot and get some juice about him, now he has a family. He has a wife. He has two kids. And so what what his norm was at one point with Abram and being in Abram's house with his father and, and Sarah what was once that normal, he created a whole new normal in Sodom and Gomorrah where it was cool to have sex inappropriately and do things that he has never seen before. But he was in Sodom and Gomorrah for so long that that just became normal. 
Where did you see something? Where did you pick that up? Why do you think that screaming shows passion? How come you think that that, that, and that is what equates to this? And a man should look like this. And a woman should look like this. And Can I ask you something? Where did you learn that, number one? And number two, how has that mindset helped you? Have you found a wife? Have you found a husband? Have you done great with money the way that you've been doing it? Like, I need you to start realizing my normal is not producing any fruit. So you are the equivalent to the fig tree that Jesus saw. He literally saw that the fig tree had no fruit and cursed it. And the Bible says that that God is the gardener, right? And we are the branches and we are the, the leaves and all the other things and that he's pruning us to make more fruit. So you can't be the one branch on this particular tree that has no fruit. God will slight that off and you will not be a part of this tree. I need you to go back to where you were producing fruit. It's not here. It's not this mindset. It's not this pairing. It's not this friendship. It's not this job. It's not this location. It's not this state. Find out what it's not and get out of that so you can become what God called you to be. Make a new normal. Do you understand that? I'm not screaming at you, but I'm screaming at you, okay? And I'm not talking directly to you, but I'm talking to you. It's a pressure, but it's not really pressure. Do you see what I'm trying to say to you? (sighs) Listen, I feel like you got what you needed, okay? You know what these conversations are? They're life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you, but who your favorite homegirl. The reason why I stopped that conversation right there is because I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, now come to me. And let me give you the insight that I've been trying to fight you on for so long. That I've been trying to fight you on for so long. And it's a lot of things that I can say. And it's a lot of insight that I can give. But I feel like once you get off of this phone call with me, that the Holy Spirit is going to give you exactly the lens that he's been trying to get you to see for so long. It's this time to choose a new normal. It really is. Do you understand that? All right, listen, um, I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. I hope my food is not cold by now, but I am hungry, so we will talk later, okay? Later.